Dolphins In-Depth Podcast. I'm Daniel Yafusi. Thanks so much for tuning in. And I know last week I said the Dolphins were in the hunt to be in the hunt, but I think we can say that they're in the hunt in the AFC playoff picture after a fourth straight win, uh, this latest being a 33-10 beatdown of the Carolina Panthers. They improved to five and seven, and they've they're, they're almost uh, turned around a, a one seven start. You know they uh, have two games upcoming uh, against the Giants and uh, the Jets, and a bye week sandwiched in there. And they've got a real shot to get to seven and seven with three games left. And if they do that, you know anything's possible. Uh, really excited to have you guys here uh, tuned in for this episode. We're going to talk a lot about uh, that win, whether you know playoff aspirations are really, really legit, as well as two after completing uh, his 16th NFL start. You know, it took a while, had some injuries, had to sit behind Ryan Fitzpatrick, but he's kind of finished his quote-unquote rookie year. So we're going to really uh, break that down and uh, i'm really glad to have this week's guest we have cameron wolf who's a reporter for nfl network cam how you doing man what's good daniel how you feeling man i'm doing what's well good? man i'm doing well um you know i'm really excited to have you on this episode because uh you wrote a really interesting piece on tua and really how this is his, his time you know this we we kind of saw the the end of the trade deadline with no um with no, you know, Deshaun Watson, that was kind of to his audition. You know, he had, I think it was nine games that he had. Obviously, he was uh, had the fractured um, ribs and then the fractured finger that kind of forced him to sit down for a bit. Um, but this second half of the season was really like his auditioning period, most people thought. And he's, you know, 16 starts into his career. You know, he was knocked out of one game, was benched for some other games, but, you know, 16 career starts. And when you look at the numbers, I mean, it's hard, it's hard not to be impressed. I mean, let me, uh, I know I have it written down right here, 67% completion rate, uh, 3,515 passing yards, 27 total TDs, 12 turnovers. Uh, he's eighth in QBR in 2021 this year, and he was 26th in 2020. And really, to me, the most important, really the most important part to me, and you, know, this, you can dispute this, a nine and seven record. You know, I know how some people feel about QB wins as a stat, but the quarterback plays such a big role in that that I feel like it has to be part of the discussion and part of the equation. And, you know, when I, you know, I wasn't here last year to kind of see his, his rookie year, his official rookie year. Um, but, you know, I've seen, you know, his second, second year, about half of the second year, which is really the back half of his rookie year. And when I look at it, you know, I've kind of preached this entire time since I've gotten on the beat, you know, I feel like patience was what we needed with Tua. You know, he's a rookie. I understand he's polarizing. Um, his contemporaries have maybe, accelerated maybe grown a little bit faster than him but i think patience was really key here and i I have to phrase it this way if tua had these numbers if tua played out the entirety of his uh you know his first year in 2020 and he had all these numbers with the nine and seven record i mean as a dolphins fan like aren't you have to be encouraged by that man right absolutely i think that when you look at what Tua's done you can't be disappointed at those numbers like i'm not a big qb wins guy just to be <laughs> real but i think there is something to your team winning behind you know uh, a, a competent quarterback play and i love the qbr stat because the, you know i used to work at espn and that was a stat that i love because it showed you beyond just the box score um completion percentage and, and different things like that and i looked that up this week and i saw that he was you know in the top 10 in qbr this year ahead of patrick mahomes ahead of lamar jackson that kind of really surprised me um but when you look at what he's been able to do i think that they've really been efficient 
And so, like, it's not sexy the way that Tua plays. It is and not. that's something that I think he gets a lot of knocks about. But my thing is, I've watched this this quarterback and I've watched this um, development, particularly since he got drafted here. And when he was drafted, he never had a big arm. He was never the most athletic guy. So that element of him has not changed. So to critique him on something that he never was, to me, seems a little foolish. I mean, I know that we're in a society where everything kind of gets compared. And like you mentioned, Justin Herbert had an amazing rookie year. He's balling. Everybody's like, oh, the Dolphins made a mistake. Now Joe, Joe Burrow's cooking. And it's like, why doesn't Tua look as sexy as these dudes? Well, he he got he to gotta run his own battle. You know, he got to run his own race. So I think that there's little that Tua's done um, so far that makes me think, hey, this guy can't eventually be a guy you can win with. The question eventually, can he be a guy you win because? That's a different question. But, you know, I look at what he has shown over his first 16 games. Why are we so eager to give up on him already? Yeah, one thing that sticks out to me, um, you know, I'm not sure if, you, if you've heard Bucky Brooks say this, but if you, if you see him on TV, like he'll kind of make this analogy, like, is he uh, is a quarterback pulling the guys or is he getting pulled? And I think that that's the thing that I've really been keying on. I think he's doing all this in spite of what's around him. You know, mm-hmm. you, we know, we know this offensive line is not a very good offensive line. I think that they made some progressions in recent weeks and whatnot, but they're still far from being the offensive line that you really want to surround a, a young quarterback with. We know that Devontae Parker has been in and out of the lineup. Will Fuller has barely played this season. I mean, outside of Jalen Waddle and Mike Gusecki, I mean, who is he really throwing to? You know, Matt Collins has stepped up. Albert Wilson has been more involved, but he really isn't, doesn't have a bona fide set of pass catchers. So I, I say, I'll say all that to say, He's really doing this in spite of his surroundings, which is what's really impressive to me. And, you know, they don't really have a running game. They're really putting it on on him. I mean, the short passing game that they're running with, that's pretty much their running game. And for him to do what he's doing, I think it's really impressive. You know, we, we can we can do the what if game. But I do really wonder, you know, if he didn't get knocked out for three games with those with those bruised ribs. I mean, is there a chance that they may have beaten the Raiders? Is there a chance that they may have beaten the Colts? Um, you know, I know he came back to uh, to losses against the Jacksonville Jaguars and the Falcons. But if like some of those balls kind of bounce the Dolphins away, which is what they were really saying during that losing streak, they were saying, hey, we're close. We're close. I mean, if, you know, maybe if they're six and six now, whatever the case may be, I mean, does the, does the perception of uh, Tua and kind of what I want to lead to now, does that season kind of, does the perception of this season kind of change to you? Yeah, I, I think that and you mentioned earlier about the um, element of the story I wrote about this being to his time. Like, let's be real with it. They have flirted. They have done their whole deal with Deshaun Watson. It, you know, to has got to feel like, hey, my my girl's been looking, you know, <laughs> my girl's been looking. So he he, he got to know to an extent that, that that there's something to prove. But I'm with you. I look at the whole totality of it. I know it's a quarterback league and we focus so much about the quarterback, but you can't look at this Dolphins team and say, oh, they're a quarterback away. Um, And that has been my big issue in the whole landscape. I think they have maybe the worst offensive line in the league. Um, They have a skill position group that hasn't stayed healthy all year with Devontae Parker and and Will Fuller. But we look at that quarterback position. So that that shapes the lens that we see everything um, throughout this team. And when they lost, everything compounded. And one in seven, I'm not going to lie, I never saw that coming. And I think the biggest change in the perception is the it shifts from just the quarterback to then it goes on the coach and then the GM. And I remember at the one and seven point, 
I had people texting me across the league, like, are they going to have to fire everybody? You know, is Brian Flores going to be going? Is Chris Greer going to be going? Because when people lose, people lose jobs. That's just the way it goes. So I think the biggest thing that this win streak has is maybe get some people a little bit more job security. You know, I know Chris Greer and Brian Flores don't read the the uh, the task, but they have family that does. And uh, I think the family feels a little bit more easy Thanksgiving after a four game winning streak and not seeing as many articles about how their coach or how their dad or how their uncle or how whoever is going to get fired. So I think that's the biggest thing. They have four games ahead. And I'm sure we'll talk about that later where they could make a playoff push, but at the bare minimum, I think they've changed the perception to this is one of the worst teams in the league. And how did this happen to, okay, what are they going to do over these last six or seven games to reshape how we think about this team? Yeah, and you make an interesting point earlier about, you know, being a quarterback away. You know, when when training camp opened up and, you know, we really started this season, I think that that was most people's, you know, perception about the Dolphins. I mean, last year they were 10 and 6. Um, the defense led the league in takeaways. Um, you know, they, they were young on the offensive side, but the thought was, you know, if this defense can continue to play at that standard, and then you put Deshaun Watson with this team, oh, this is definitely a – AFC contender. And as the season progressed, you know, some of the warts and some of the shortcomings of the team were kind of exposed. And it was like, uh, this, this team isn't really a quarterback away, but now we're, it seems like we're getting back to that, that 2020 formula where the defense is playing lights out. Um, you know, the offensive line is still young, but it does seem like if you put a, a, a very, very good quarterback on this offense, he might be able to elevate the unit. So, I mean, you know, where, where, where do we really stand with that? You know, I, I, I did find, you know, this really interesting stat from uh, Mike Sando who, who works for the athletic. And um, he said this season, Miami is five and zero when allowing 17 points or fewer and they're zero and seven in all the other games where they allow seven more than 17 points. And over the past two seasons, the dolphins are 12 and zero when allowing greater 17 points or more. And they're three and three years, I believe in, in all the other games. So this is still a, a team that's predicated on the defense and to some yep. extent still predicated on the special teams. I mean, even as, as complimentary and as well-rounded of a victory that was against the Panthers, I mean, it's, it still did start with, you know, uh, a blocked punt for a touchdown, Xavier Howard, um, you know, intercepting a pass and bringing it all the way to the nine yard. I mean, this is still an offense that still relies on that defense to put them in, in, in opportunistic situations. Um, but, you know, I, can the is the offense pretty much is the quarterback are they a quarterback away i mean it does seem like that is really the thought process of the front office you know regardless of what happens this season they're still going to go to the offseason and say hey we have all this money we have this draft capital i mean if we just insert the quarterback insert a quarterback that's maybe a little more talented has a little more of a ceiling can we get to that next spot i mean what do you what do you think about that No, absolutely. I think you're right on the money with that conversation. In fact, I think the Dolphins came into this year with the mindset of a lot of fans that they felt like they were close, closer than they actually were. You know, I could tell by their moves, you know, you trade um, and some fans have a different perception of how this trade, you know, equivalates to. But you trade essentially a first round pick, an extra first round pick to move up for Jalen Waddle, who's actually been great. But you don't do that for, for a receiver unless you feel like you are right in the cusp of winning. Um, so I think they believe that with improved weapons and improved offensive line, approved Tua, 
we should be a contender. And on paper, it looked like that. But I think I we learned that growth is not linear um, and growth does not always happen in a straight line. So I think we're seeing some of the elements of that defense last year, but it's hard to consistently stay at an elite level, particularly in a turnover uh, perception. Turnovers are not something that translate year to year as easy as you know people may think. So I think that's one element of defense that, that's hard to continue to replicate. And that's why you don't see many teams that are defense-led that are longstanding contenders. So it's got to start with the quarterback. And I actually talked to somebody in the organization um, earlier this year before the Deshaun Watson stuff happened. And one thing they kept telling me is that, yes, we yes, there's issues, but quarterback hides like elite quarterbacks hide a lot of your issues. Um, and that's one thing that I think that there is fair criticism on Tua. Will he ever be elite? And I do agree that we need more time, but that's a reasonable question. Given what we've seen from him, what is his ceiling? And can you win without an elite quarterback? Yes, it just makes it harder. So I think you look at this team and um, yes, their offensive line is horrific, um, but would they be look better? With a better with an elite quarterback, yeah, sure, elite quarterback might be out there and slinging. They wouldn't be great, but they might look better. So I, I think the thing they're going to have a conversation about this offseason is how much of an upgrade is making this move, and is it worth essentially mortgaging our franchise to do so? Because you make that all-in move, you you know, beyond the legal issues, which is a whole other situation with Deshaun Watson, you have to decide: Hey, if we make this move, are we ready now? And I think that's going to be an internal conversation um, that they're going to have this offseason. I don't know what the answer is. I would love to see more time for Tua um, to me and kind of build around him and really build those pieces. But you can't ignore the teams that are winning right now. Patrick Mahomes, you know, Josh Allen, all these guys have a guy that's that's a scary playmaker. And we haven't seen that elite level of Tua yet. Um, and, and whether you're a Tua fan or not, you have to admit that he does look different than those guys and how he plays. Yeah, that, that's all fair. Um, when you mention growth not being linear, I think that's a great point because I think that a lot of people, a lot of fans saw this year three of, you know, the Flores Greer partnership and saying it's kind of playoffs or bust. And I never perceived the season as that because Tua was so young. Um, and because he took over in the middle of, you know, that's that his rookie season, but that second rebuild year. Um, so I, I was, you know, I predicted them to go, I believe, 10 and seven and miss the playoffs. But I thought that if Tua progressed and, you know, was kind of the reason that they were winning these games and it wasn't like they were relying on the defense so much. I, I, I would think that that was that would that'd be a successful season. Like if they went 10 and seven, if two improved all of his numbers still, you know, still had some growing pains, but by the end of the season was playing well and looked like a, like a above average to good quarterback. I thought that that was, that's actually a success. And you're setting yourself up for, you know, his year three, year four of the rebuild of making the playoffs, which is why, you know, I know a lot of fans, I mean, the fans deserve to be disappointed in a one and seven start. Cause I think that that was, I mean, there's no excuses for that. You know, they have to be held accountable for that. And to, uh, to force us credit to so to his credit to the team's credit, they've been able to turn it around, but you know, I keep on saying, you know, the, the season isn't season isn't eight games. It's not half a season. It's not done in one month. It's, you know, it's, an, it's a marathon, not a race. Um, and, you know, I, I still think that if they're able to work their way to 500 um, and Tua continues to play the way he is, I still think that this season is, you know, can and it would be redeemed in a sense, despite them maybe not making the playoffs. 
Yeah, I, I think one interesting element of this season is, you know, be, beyond the playoffs. Like, I, I, to me, the biggest thing is seeing Tua and getting a, a firm evaluation of him throughout the rest of the year. And one thing that I, I would hope that fans and maybe people um, who watch this team try to recalibrate their mindset as, is I think early on in the draft process, Tua got a lot of comparisons, and I think they were unfair to like a Russell Wilson-type player. Mm-hmm. And to me, he's never really been that player. I think if you're looking at a ceiling, you, you're looking at a guy like Drew Brees, who it, his superpower to me to a superpower is his accuracy, his command, his pocket feel. And he's shown some of those things, but those things are, are rarely sexy. Those things are rarely going to be on sports center. You're not going to have a, you know, Oh, this guy was a- accurate with this pass. That's not going to, you know, we don't, we don't get excited about that. We get excited about 70 yard touchdowns. So I, I think that when you look at um, what you're seeing from, from Tua's growth, you have to ask yourself what, how much growth do I need to see to be satisfied? And this is something I've asked Brian Flores this season, and I don't think he's really truly given a firm answer, but how long is enough time to know exactly what you have in a guy and, and be decided upon that? Because to me, 16 games is not enough, but I also am not seeing two every day in practice. Um, and, and we're in a different society where, um, you know, I think a lot of Dolphins fans, this before you, Daniel, but a lot of Dolphins fans were frustrated because the Ryan Tannehill era was here and they spent seven years trying to figure out if he was the guy. And he left and and maybe he's the guy in Tennessee, you know? So, like, it's, 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 it's hard to find, like, a, a amount of time to have a time frame, but then you see Arizona who gets rid of Josh Rosen after one year and that was the right decision. So it, it's, I think you're looking at a situation where there are two extremes of fans. There are people who are, I'm to it no matter what. And there are people who I'm, you know, I'm out on him. And, 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 it, and it's something unique. It's a, it's a very rare um, type thing where there's such extremes. And I feel like I'm I'm somewhat in the middle. I, I lean probably more to I've seen um, enough into it to see more. Like I want to see more, but but I have I'm, I have worries. You know, his durability worries me. That's probably my biggest worry. I can't have my quarterback not on the field. Um, but you know, I think you if you wrap your mind around, can he be successful in your mindset if he's not? throwing 60, 70 yard bombs. If the answer is no, then then you got to get another quarterback because I don't think he's ever going to be this big play, you know, type like, like fans who are saying, Oh, if we get a better offense line, he'll be throwing bombs. I don't see that. I don't see that being predicated on his game. Um, I think his game, like I said, is superpowers, accuracy, command, pocket feel. If you feel like you can win with that, you have to build around it and you have to have the type of offense line and playmaker for it to succeed. So this all season is going to be really important for how Brian Flores and Chris Greer view this. Do they want this team to be built around an elite quarterback and we're going all in and we'll have holes in other areas, but we feel like our quarterback is going to be able to be Superman and fill them? Or do we say, hey, we're going to focus on filling the holes and we think we have a good enough quarterback to win as a team? I think there's only two paths. You got to go one or the other. Yeah, you know, I agree with you that at this point, durability has to be the only concern. I mean, not the only concern, but the main concern because he's, I mean, he's getting it done. Um, you know, I know that some of the defenses haven't been great. You know, the team has been kind of beating up on some, some below average teams, but they're getting it done. You know, I feel like that's, that's kind of step one. You know, you want your quarterback to play well against uh, maybe the the lesser competition. And then, you know, as you continue to build this team, you hope that um, in the years to come, you can start to be able to compete with, um, with the Buffalo Bills type team and some of the other other upper echelon teams in the AFC. Um, but again, I mean, it, 
it is going to be interesting to see because, I mean, for all we know, the front office could kind of have already made up their mind. I mean, we, we truly yep. don't. We truly don't know. Um, and this could maybe be all for nothing. Maybe Tua could be auditioning for another team. Um, but again, you know, these I was, at first I was thinking, you know, I don't think anybody thought that they were going to be able to rattle off this many wins and then find themselves back in the AFC playoff picture. And, and truth be told, that may be just as much of an indi- indication of how like just up in the air the AFC is that fact that they were one and seven, they've won a couple games and now they're back in the playoff picture, but that's besides the point. Um, but again, I was, I was initially of the thought that when they started one and seven, the second half of the season was just about Tua and whether he could continue to develop. And now it's about Tua's development and Hey, can we maybe get like a sixth or seventh playoff seed? Um, so again, it's, you know, it's, first half of the season was definitely tough on all of us, you know, the team, the people that cover the team, but as it actually is pretty cool to be able to say, Hey, at least we're going to go in December. We're going to be covering games that actually matter. Absolutely. And I'm not there every day. Like you guys are, but I always tell people like, like people in the building and people outside of the building, like our job's a lot easier when the team is winning. Like we don't root against it. I was, I'll speak for myself. I, maybe some people do. I don't root against the team. Like we don't, we're not fans of the team, but it's a lot easier when people are smiling and want to talk to you yeah. rather than you have to pry answers and they're giving you cliches just from a, a work perspective. So it's good, you know, to be around the building, have people happy and actually go into December where it matters. Cause trust me, I was here in 2019 and it was miserable. That first half of the year, I'm walking in the locker room. Dudes, dudes are dudes are looking up flights, trying to trying to get go go other places. Dudes are coming in the locker room. I remember guys are asking me in the locker room who this dude is. They just claimed him. <laughs> off, I'm like, they just claimed him off waivers. He's an offensive lineman. I think he went to Oklahoma. His name is blah. blah. Oh, okay, all right, appreciate you, man. Like it, that was that was it all season. So you don't want to deal with that. So I think this year. You know, whether they make the playoffs or not, there's positive movement towards them going, you know, going and making a push and being in the hunt. And, yeah, I I mean, let's be real. Look at their schedule. The Giants, the Jets, you got the you got the Saints who have been trending downward and the Titans without Derrick Henry. We could definitely I wouldn't be shocked if we're looking at nine and seven and, you know, we're back here uh, week 18. They're playing the Patriots for a playoff spot. So I could definitely see it. So it's not over all, you know, there's a, I'm telling you, there's a chance, there's a chance. Um, but, you know, more than anything, I think the positive momentum and the growth for two are, are things that we should take out of this four game winning streak. Yeah. We're definitely going to talk a little bit more about, you know, this, this upcoming slate. Um, but yeah, I mean, it definitely has been a lot, a lot easier to talk to guys, you know, you even see Brian Flores cracking, cracking some smiles, <laughs> cracking jokes, laughing. So that's all. That's definitely been good to see. Uh, we're going to take a short break. When we come back, uh, still going to have Cam Wolf with me. We're going to talk about uh, the final five games coming up, as well as preview Sunday's game against the New York Giants. So stay with us. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. 
Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. What's going on, everybody? Still here on the Dolphins In-Depth Podcast with Cam Wolf. Uh, really enjoyed uh, the first half of our conversation, just breaking down Tua, uh, this this really miraculous turnaround and this four-game winning streak that has them back in the hunt. You know, I was, I was looking at some ESPN and NFL Network playoff uh, graphics, and hey, I mean, the Dolphins are there. They're, they're, they're at the bottom, but they're there, and they got a chance to, to, uh, to, you know, rise up in the standings. And, you know, again, starting with this upcoming week, you know, um, the Dolphins haven't had their, their bye yet, so they're going to play the Giants they're going to have a, a bye week and then they're going to host the Jets on the other side of that bye week. And, and I believe if I'm, you know, I could be wrong. I believe I'm right here. I mean, they're one and a half games out of that seventh seed. Again, there's, there's a lot of teams in front of them. I think that there's 12 AFC teams uh, that are 500 or better right now, which is why I say that the Dolphins have, you know, a lot of teams to kind of uh, leapfrog if they want to get into that playoff spot. Um, but man, five games left. Um, you know, if I'm from, from start to finish, it's, Giants, Jets, Saints on Monday night, I believe, Tennessee, and then the season finale at home against the Patriots. I mean, what percentage are you giving them to, I mean, really to make the playoffs? I mean, some people are saying that they could maybe run the table, which would literally be a historic feat uh, for them to start one and seven and then win the final, what is it, 10 games or nine games. I mean, that would literally be a historic feat. I don't think any team has started one and seven and made the playoffs, but what, what odds are you giving them to do that? No team has ever started one and seven and make the playoffs. So trust me, I looked it up just in case. Um, but I, I think that, you know, I actually love this time of year. I'm a numbers guy. Yeah. So every year in December, when there's somebody in the hunt, when a team I'm covering the hunt, um, there's always the playoff percentages. And I'm telling you, fans eat it up about how much percentage chance their team has to make the playoffs. And if they win, what this means. Well, I looked up some percentages. The New York Times has already started this thing. It's, it's, it's playoff percentages. I don't think ESPN's done this yet. That's one of my favorite ones. But New York Times could give the Dolphins a 3% chance to make the playoffs right now. 3%. It's a chance. But if they win out, that number raises to 89%. Which, which, you know, like we said, the schedule is right in front of you. It, it, it's a situation where it's reasonable, but the Dolphins are essentially in, in, in must-win mode the rest of the year. Like, I don't think they can get in with a loss. I think right now 10-7 and 7 is probably what it's going to take, and there's no guarantee that 10-7 and 7 gets you in. Yeah. Um, but yeah. when you look at how this defense has been playing, we talked a lot about Tua, but let's keep it real. The defense has been the big reason why – the Dolphins have had this four-game winning streak. I mean, Xavier Howard, we know we know about him. He's he's a baller. He's the best player on the team. But the young safeties with Javon Holland and Brandon Jones, the way they've been kind of taking over and really this team becoming more of a blitz-oriented team, that was one of the most frustrating parts of the first half of the season to me is I watched this defense last year with a lot of the amoeba style and confusing defenses. I remember Jared Goff was about to call his mama after the game they played on <laughs> last year. And that game alone might have made Sean McVay say, nah, I'm done with you, dog. And this year they just were not having that tight pressure. And right around one and seven, they started to heal it back up. The young DB started to get it together and they transitioned more from the McCourty and Rowe 
uh, safety deal they had early in the season to more uh, Holland and, and Brandon Jones. And then now Jalen Phillips is coming on tight. So I think this defense is looking back like a top end, you know, top 10, top 12 defense that we thought they were going to be coming into the year. So with that, you can win in November and December and January. And, you know, we're looking at a lot of teams. I look at the schedule. There's a lot of teams that, that with quarterbacks that throw a lot of interceptions. Um, that's a, that's a, starting with the one, the game coming starting with the, the one this upcoming week against the Giants. You know, you look at Daniel Jones, uh, Zach Wilson, really any of the Jets quarterbacks, Zach Wilson, <laughs> Joe Blacko, Matt White. Mike White, who are they throw out there? They throw a lot of picks. You know, um, there's a lot of, you know, so that that to me is a lot of game plans where the defense can really show its prowess. And if Tua takes care of the ball, you know, averages 20, 20, 24 points a game, they should be in the mix to win all of those games. Um, so I definitely look at this as they, they can win, they can run the table. It's going to be hard, but they can run the table, but they can't afford any slip ups. They can't afford any off days uh, to do so. It's still going to be a tough challenge. I mean, I look at that AFC playoff picture and I've got to imagine that you're going to look at two AFC North teams making it with probably the Ravens, and the Bengals, both of those teams looking pretty good. Um, you look at the, the uh, AFC uh, South, you know, the Titans, you know, that's a team that they have a big, I think they're eight and three at this point or, or eight and four or something like that. Yeah. And they're, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to chug along, but I think they've got a good handle on it and the Colts are coming on strong too. And then you look at, you look out um, <clears throat> in the, uh, what is it? The West yep. and you've got a three-way battle. Somebody's going to come out of that division. Um, so, too as well. Huh? I mean, there's a good chance that they might send two as well. They might send two too. So yeah, you're running, teams. you're running out of teams. And in the East, you look at the Bills and the Patriots. You man, the both of those teams at the top. Hard to hard for me not to see both of those teams making the playoffs. So there's only seven spots. It's more than six, but it's you know you somebody's gonna have to get knocked out. So I don't know who that team is, but I think the Dolphins can't afford to 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 lose a game. They got to go ten and seven to at least give them chance themselves a chance. Yeah, yeah, and you know. I, I was talking to somebody earlier and I said the Dolphins don't really control their destiny per se, um, but they do, like you said, they do give them a, themselves a really strong chance to, to make the playoffs if they can win out. Um, you know, and like you said, the, the margin for error, I mean, I can't even say it's slim. It's infinitesimal. It's, a, it's gone. And, you know, where I think what really might bite them is when you look up in the standings and you see, um, you see the Raiders, you see the Colts. Those are two teams that they lost to. So exactly. for some reason you have like a, a head-to-head um, battle or a, or a three-way. Tiebreaker. I mean, yeah, yeah, tiebreakers start to come in. I mean, that could hurt them. Um, one thing that, you know, I, I feel like we shouldn't even be going this far, but, you know, it's, it's a podcast. We can we can yeah. crazy <laughs> stuff. We can, we, can, we can start to drink. Hey, hey Brian Flores don't have to listen. He'll, one day at a time, Brian Flores, he'll got to listen. We don't do that here. We don't do that here. We look five, <laughs> five weeks ahead. Um, somebody brought this up. And I, I didn't want to acknowledge it, but I have to. Someone said that if the Dolphins win their next, I guess it would be four games, there is a chance that that week 18 game could maybe be for the division. I mean, the the Bills and the Patriots still have to play each other twice. Um, so they could beat up on each other. The Patriots got a pretty tough schedule coming up. I believe they play the Colts. They play the Bills twice. And they have another tough game in there. Well, the the Dolphins. Um, is there? I mean, is there any shot that ha- I mean that that would literally be storybook. It, I, it I, would. I tend, to, it I tend would. to say it doesn't happen. I, I don't want to throw flames on that. I just don't see that happening as far as division. 
Um, I think the Patriots are are what are they seven and four, eight and four? Um, they're you somewhere in that mix. Um, and that that's a team that I don't really see. They're playing really, really good football. So I don't really see them falling off at this point. Um, you look at that that Bills team, they're pretty good. They're playing this week. So it's the Patriots eight and four and the Bills seven and four. So the Patriots won that game. They're already at nine wins. So I don't see the playoffs, but I could see a scenario where, I mean, I I don't see the uh, division, but I could see a scenario week 18. You're going in new England's trying to fight for maybe a first round by if they, if they had things going or, or they they're trying to clinch the division. They're tied with the, uh, the bills and the dolphins are fighting for a playoff Playoff spot. spot. Both teams got something to play for. And that would be a fun matchup. And, you know, Tom Brady's not there anymore. But I tell you, there always seems to be something when New England comes down to Miami that, that they run into, you know, whether the Miami Miracle, you know, or whatever. That always is the Patriot place of horror. And how about those last two games? You got the Titans with Ryan Tannehill, Ryan Tannehill's potential revenge, yeah. quote unquote. <laughs> and then you got the Patriots, the the arch nemesis Patriots. Those could be two games you have to win against playoff teams to get in that's gonna really test the metal of this team but you know we hope for it that would be that would be really fun to see the Dolphins but they got to win these next four games that aren't as fun to get to those last two yeah most definitely most definitely I mean those last two games those are gonna be fun games uh, especially if there's a lot on the line Um, but like you said it it starts this Sunday with the Giants Um, a Giants team that you know I want to say had a surprising win because I don't think anything is surprising in the NFC East, but they came away with a, a big win over the Eagles. Um, obviously the Dolphins with that four game win streak, I believe obviously the Dolphins are favored. I'm trying to see how, how many points I think it's favored by two and a half. Um, yeah. This seems yeah, like two and a half, three points. Yeah, this seems really similar to the Jets game where it's like, well, I mean, you know, Joe Flacco is a lot more experienced than, uh, than Daniel Jones, but it seems a game like, Stick to your bread and butter, blitz him, make him uncomfortable. He's probably good for a turnover or two. Uh, play play clean football on offense and come away with a methodical seven, 10 point, 10 point win. I mean, it, it it's hard for me to and the way that they're playing right now, it's hard to me to it's hard for me to envision the Giants being able to to score a lot of points. Um, and making this uh, shootout. Obviously, Saquon Barkley um, is one of the, the best running backs in the game. I don't know how healthy he is coming back from that ankle injury. Um, you know, the the Giants do have some playmakers, but it just seems like a, another game where the Dolphins defense will have its way. The offense will do enough. And, you know, it won't be pretty contested once we get to the fourth quarter. What do you think? Nah, I'm with you. You know, I, not a bad man. Can't bet at the NFL job, but that that minus two and a half, minus three, that's looking good to me. If I'm if I'm believer in the Dolphins, I I, I would love that because uh, you know, like you said, I'm not a convinced this Giants team is very good. You know, I actually hacked this past weekend also. I I had my three TV set up. I was watching Red Zone. I was watching the Dolphins game, and I had the Dolphins Panthers game. I had the Eagles Giants game up, and man, that was an ugly game. The Eagles played about the worst game I could find somebody <laughs> to play, and they still had a chance to win it at the end. I think Hurts threw four interceptions, and they still had a chance at the end to to, to potentially win the game. Um, so I don't envision throwing two or throwing four interceptions this week, um, but I think the Giants need that sort of um, that that sort of 
lackluster offense to win a game. I just don't see it with their offense. So I'm with you. I think the Dolphins should win this game. I still think it would probably be a little low scoring. The Giants defense is starting to play better as of late. But if they do what they've been doing, you know, with a lot of lot of pressure on Daniel Jones, he's a, he's a panic quarterback. I like, you know, that's one of the quarterbacks where if, if things get chaotic, he panics, man. Um, and, you know, he's, he, he'll be one of those, he'll be one of those guys where he's like, okay, somebody's going to catch this ball. You know, I'm throwing it up. <laughs> it, somebody's might not be, it might not be, it might not be my guy, somebody's but somebody's going to catch this ball. <laughs> um, and so I could definitely see a two or three interception day for Daniel Jones. Um, so, yeah, I, I think the Dolphins should feel really good going into this game. Um, I want to see continued progress for them running the football. I like what I saw from Philip Lindsay um, this past week. I want to see him get some more snaps. Um, I don't want to jinx it, but the offensive line is starting to starting to you know not be as bad as they were early in the season. And like I said, the offense, although it's not great to look at, like it's not aesthetically pleasing a lot of times, they've tried to mold it to really play around their weaknesses. So I think the Dolphins actually match up pretty well with the Giants and um, they've actually stopped the run as well pretty good over the last couple of weeks so that'll help them with uh, Barkley coming to town yeah definitely and and uh, kind of a interesting subplot is um, Joe Judge and Brian Flores going head-to-head obviously they spent several years in New England as assistants uh, Patrick Graham was the defensive coordinator um, in Miami for one season that 2019 rebuild year and obviously he had a connection with them in New Orleans well I wonder if maybe maybe the game is a little bit closer than we imagine just because I know that there was a there was a quote from Joe Judge and he, he it was a really lengthy really nice quote just speaking about the the relationship that he formed with uh with Brian Flores and he's like hey man like when you're when you're kind of at the bottom of the totem pole you guys are grinding yeah. I mean you you talk about all this stuff you talk about uh the draft you talk about tendencies you talk about philosophies so I wonder if maybe Maybe there's still a little <laughs> bit of, you know, from from the early 2000s or oh, yeah. 2010s where Joe Judge is like, hey, I remember 11 p.m. Me and Brian Flores were talking about so and so. I know he's going to go with this on third down. I wonder I wonder how much that that familiarity kind of plays a role in maybe how the game goes in terms of a, a matchup uh, standpoint. Yeah, there's nothing like the broke homies, right? You know, the, <laughs> the broke homies that you had back in the day when y'all was trying to get the oodles and noodles together or get some money together for, for you know, gas money. Ain't nothing like that. I still got some boys back in the crib that uh that I hung out with that when when we were broke. So it, it, I, I feel I feel Brian Flores and Joe Judge on that. Um, yeah, I, I think there's a lot of familiarity here. Like we always hype up the Brian Flores, Bill Belichick matchups, you know, because it's the the mentor versus the protege. But you gotta you gotta think that Flores and and Judge are even closer because like you said, they were peers at one time. They came up the same way. And um, you know, I know they talk a lot and there's you know different different sort of philosophies. They like some of the same players. I even remember um talking to the draft process. Um, I was talking to people who who were convinced that the Giants thought that the, the Dolphins wanted Devontae Smith um over Jalen Waddle. And they both they both ended up loving those Alabama receivers. The Giants ended up loving Devontae Smith and the Eagles jumped them. So they kind of all they have similarities in, in the type of players they like, this type of styles. They've all got that kind of hard discipline mindset. So I, I think that you're gonna look at two coaches who are gonna know some tendencies. You know, there's gonna be a lot of film watching this week. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a little, you know, a little trickeration. You know, when you have a guy that you know well, you try to bring some out the bag. You know, I got to go in my bag. You know, and Joe Judge, 
is a special team coordinator at heart. So I'm looking, you know, maybe the, the Giants have a, a special teams trick play or something this week um, up their sleeves. So that'll be fun to watch, you know, although they don't directly coach each other, you know, because Flo is not not calling plays and Judge doesn't either. Um, but I think you're looking at two guys who who are having their teams built in similar mindsets and that can make that fun, you know, Sunday, especially if it's a close matchup in the fourth quarter. Yeah, you know, Joe Judge said that he he can see that the Dolphins are really taking on the the persona and the, you know, the 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 personality of Brian Flores and the way that they play. And, you know, Brian Flores was really, you know, he spoke really glowingly about his relationship with Patrick Graham as well as Joe Judge. But then at that, at that at the end of his quote, the end of his statement, he said, Hey, but they're they're coming to compete. <laughs> so we gotta come in to compete as well. And that's what they're gonna do on Sunday, you know. Uh this brings us to the end of another edition of the Dolphins in Depth podcast. Uh, I want to thank Kim so much for joining me. Really enjoyed having you on. You know, I know a couple of years back, you know, we were connected through the Sports Journalism Institute. And I remember reaching out to you asking for some advice. Um, I really appreciated that. And you know, it's cool that I've been able to make this move down here and you've been really supportive. And I appreciate that, man. Yeah, you've been killing it, man. Appreciate you having me on, man. I hope everybody's following Daniel's work, man. He's doing great work out here, putting out content that y'all need to uh, read as, as Dolphins fans. You know, just don't get on the blogs and, and take your own takes. <laughs> Listen to somebody who's actually in the building every day with his own, with the, with the smart takes. So uh, definitely appreciate you for having me on. And uh, hopefully the Dolphins will win out, ring out some wins so I can spend some more time down here uh, with y'all at the end of the season. Not much love in there. We're going to see about that. They got a good shot to keep it going before the bye week this Sunday. Uh, to the listeners, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back even on a bye week. We'll be back next week to talk some more Dolphins. Until then, you guys take care. Until then, you guys take care. <laughs>